Welcome to the podcast, Finding Galileo, where we explore all things truth. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Dina Tavinarim. May this podcast find you wherever you're at on this journey of life. Enjoy. Hi, um, I want to welcome to the podcast today, Bonnie Reverend, Bonnie Barnard, um, who is a long family friend. I have known her I think almost my whole life. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, At least I know since I was four. (laughs) Um, And she's here today joining us. Um, She's a reverend. She's a minister. She's a spiritual leader. And Bonnie, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It is my delight to be here. And can you just tell our listeners, um, what do you do? What do you call yourself? Yeah, that's such a curious question, isn't it? Um, I really work one-on-one with individuals, supporting them in finding their soul's voice. And that's done through spiritual practice. It's done through our private sessions together. And the tool that I use often is a tool called affirmative prayer in the sessions. And I also lead retreats. So um, those are my two callings, the two areas that I tend to focus on. And I absolutely love spending my days and nights studying and speaking of the presence of God. And so I'm grateful you invited me here, and I am so thrilled that my work allows me to do that. I'm so glad you're here. And I wanted um, one thing I've known is in my spiritual journey you've helped me so much and you've always had this strong um, connection to your higher power, um, God, consciousness, whatever um, you call that as. I know you use many different names. How did you get so interested in um, your connection with the divine? Yeah, well, when I was five years old, my dad taught me how to garden. And so it was one Saturday afternoon in Seattle, um, need I say in the mid-1960s. And at that time, the hardware stores tended to only have a handful of different vegetables that you could buy seeds for. So our garden was mostly radishes, (laughs) all different kinds of radishes and carrots. And so my dad taught me how to dig up a garden and how to, you know, use the Um, fertilizer and and measure he was an engineer so I got to measure the um, depth for each one of the seeds to go in with precision and it became my thing and I would go out into the garden every day and I would water the plants and I would sing to them and I was really strange in my family in that my family didn't go to church but I did I had this yearning from a very young age to go to church and to be in the presence of people in worship. And so at age five, I walked to the nearest church and I believe that if it was a synagogue or a temple, that that's where I would have gone because I just wanted to go somewhere close. So there wasn't discernment on the type of church I was going to. It happened to be Episcopal. And so all of the ministers there were men who wore robes and were called father very similar to the catholic church and i loved everything about going to church i loved the pageantry of it 
And I actually sat in church like a grown-up instead of going to Sunday school. And <laughs> I sang in the little kids' choir. And, I mean, I looked forward to Sundays because there was something about church that just just resonated with me. And so I... Um, now, did your parents ever go with you? Or no, never. You just went by yourself. Yeah, it was such a different time. I mean, now you would never see a parent let their five-year-old walk down the street by themselves, at least not that I'm aware of. But back then, you know, we left our doors unlocked. It was just a really different time. Mm. And so I walked down the street and um, I had a very different experience of God and of the church than my friends did whose parents forced them to go. And so back to this garden, I was in, in, I was tending to this garden and absolutely loving it. And I decided to sing it, the choir songs that I had learned while I was in church, because I had heard through the youth choir minister that when you sang, your voice emanated more love to God than if you just spoke. So as a little kid, I took that literally and would sing my prayers and would sing my conversations to God and if you've heard me sing, you would know that that's not a great form of praise, but <laughs> my daughter can attest to that for sure. But um, I found myself falling in love with these radishes and with these vegetables and singing all things bright and beautiful to them. And then one day I had this experience where I literally fell on my knees and had an ecstatic experience. I call it my first direct experience of God where I felt as though this big, gigantic, weighted blanket was wrapped around my shoulders, around my body, because I was little, and that I was just held in this field of divine love. And it was so spectacular and so warm and so filled with grace and so memorable that my entire life I've wanted to be in conversations with other people who know the potency of the love of God and um, I, I'm grateful you brought up the whole conversation around the languaging because there's been periods of times I have not used the word God because it has felt um, like it was attached to some really awful things in our collective consciousness that I haven't wanted to dance with and so there's been times I've called it other things I still call it God and I still call it um, the field and and higher consciousness and my beloved and there's all kinds of names because I don't believe that um, the divine presence really cares what I call it mm-hmm. now one of the things um I wanted to have you on for is because this podcast is all about the truth and the search for truth and what that is is it subjective is it objective is it a both and and for me I know that part of um that quest for truth is and has been expanded by my daily spiritual practice and I know that you um do a daily spiritual practice and I just want the listeners to hear um, what is that practice for you? Why do you think that's important? Um, 
And is it tied to any specific religion? Yeah, th- that's those. You just have many questions in one, <laughs> and they were all such really potent questions. They're really great. Um, I will start by saying that on my journey, I started in the Episcopal Church, like I said. And one of the things I loved about the Christian symbolic kind of religion is that it acknowledges the mystery of the divine. And the Buddhists say that the divine is like a lotus or like a diamond where it's multifaceted. Um, And so there's the literal religion and then there is what happens when your soul is activated and you realize that all of the religions at the core of their being are really only one. And so, so I started with the Episcopal religion and like I said, thoroughly loved it. Then my undergraduate studies were in religious studies. And so I studied all major world religion and got to see their commonalities and got to play with their practices and so forth. Then the Episcopal Church didn't fit me any longer because it was only one message. And and I wanted, my curiosity had been sparked and I wanted more than that. So I found myself going without any kind of formal spiritual community for a long time. And I missed it. There's something about spiritual community, no matter what form it takes, that is an essential component of the spiritual journey. And all major world religions have five spiritual practices in common. One is prayer, one is meditation, one is giving, one is service, and the other is community. And so I was without community and and I missed it. And then a friend of mine invited me to a new thought center. And what I found so attractive about it is the first time I went, the minister there talked about a concept from all from the perspective of all major world religions. And it was like being back in college. And I loved it. And my soul was fed. And I got so excited that I just jumped on board. New Thought is considered to be one of the only religious organizations that was created in the United States. It's very uniquely American. And it's uniquely American in that um, it takes the truth of everything that's already existed and kind of puts it in a blender and says, you know, here are the principles. They talk a lot about principles of truth that exist throughout all thought systems. So one of the the primary drivers is the truth. And, and New Thought is actually seen as and spoken at, of as a religion of truth. So it's digging for truth. It's looking for truth. Truth is its cornerstone. So on my journey, I first became a metaphysician. And that is the study of realizing that the truth is under what you see. It isn't what you see. And so in the metaphysical studies, 
it's very geared toward perception and towards thought. And then the further... Can you give an example? Yeah. And then the further studies or the opening from that naturally ends up becoming mysticism, which isn't about perception and thought at all, but it is about the heart and it is about um, the the field of God's love. So it's a it's grace, if you will. So it's a whole different different way of viewing the world. However, during the metaphysical journey, what is taught is that your word is your power. And in order for your word to be powerful, your word you have to speak the truth. Because if you are lying and then wanting to utilize words as a form of healing, for example, your being, your body doesn't know what to do with that because it's been lied to so much that it's confused. Mm. And so part of the journey is, is looking through all of the belief systems that have been inherited um, from ancestors, from the family unit, from the schools that we attended, um, the community that we grew up in, the socioeconomical um, vet, you know, vein that we um, were born into or live out of, the culture that we're in. Like somebody who grew up in Seattle has a very different viewpoint than someone who grew up in Texas. And so it's taking the, it's taking all these different belief systems and and looking at them and through them to see what was what I call inherited. What is my inherited belief versus what is the truth? And I believe that's a lifelong journey. I don't know that that ever really ends. Unfortunately, I'd like to think it does, but <laughs> there's no arrival. Yes. Unless yes. when you cross over. <laughs> and I don't even know then, right? I mean, we that's, won't know because yes, that's part that's of the true. mystery. Yes. So so oh. <laughs> what I've come to appreciate is that God really is mysterious, and yet there's so much that we know based upon evidence left behind. Right. Wow. So I was curious when you were talking about, um, I think sometimes, at least I can speak for myself too, Um when I was in more active addiction in my spirituality, because I wasn't telling the truth about yes. about the state of my life. Yes, I how was, could you? Yeah, and I was in denial, saying, you know, I'm not, I don't have a problem, and and I did. And at that time, my spirituality, I feel, was more, um, and I couldn't get any deeper because of my addiction. Sure. And I, it was more love and light. Like, the spiritual practice was like, think positive, love and light, love and light, love and light. And what I hear you saying is that part of the the spiritual path in your eyes and what you've actually practiced in your life is also, um, and you talked about looking at these old belief systems, is getting... Um, like looking at these dark spots, looking at these things that are holding us back. And it's not just all love and light. It's also taking um, responsibility for these things that have come into our life. And do these fit me? Are these beliefs that I've inherited? Are they part of God? Are these true? And then what am I going to do about that? Um, 
can you touch on that a little bit, whether it's whatever you call it, the shadow process or, um, cause I know you and I recently have talked about some challenges in both of our lives and our commitment to speaking the truth. And sometimes that isn't always pleasant. It doesn't mean everything is always then, you know, smooth sailing. There's still rough waters, yeah. <laughs> even if you're committed, um, to trying to, trying to find and follow the divine will and the highest and best good. So could you speak to our listeners about that, what you, um, the importance of the shadow work in your spiritual life and what benefits you've seen from that or just your comments and thoughts about that. Sure, sure. In the yin-yang symbol, there is... um, a half of it that's light, that's clear, and then it has a dark dot in the middle of it, and the other side is dark with a white spot in it. Um, meaning to me that wholeness includes all of it. And I also learned that in the darkest of the dark, in our nature, and in nature, And I love to look at nature when I think of God. And I pull a lot from nature. But in the darkest of the dark, which would be black holes that we have in the universe, light even exists in there. Like there's nothing in the universe that is devoid of light. So when I am in my own dark nights or when I am going through something difficult, I can always remember that in the darkest of the dark, there is always light. And so one of the spiritual practices for me is to allow that dark to be present and to expand the light that's in that dark. And that's not a spiritual bypass, which you and I have talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's not pretending. And I went, so, so I don't have a judgment on any of these experiences and I've had all that I'm talking about because I only talk from what I know Mm -hmm. directly Um, that's a commitment I made to myself a long time ago was that I wouldn't borrow other people's materials and pretend I knew something that I had to have lived it or I'm not going to talk about it. Mm. And so, um, so I have lived this pretend it's all good to be in a lot of pain and pretend it's good when it's not. Mm -hmm. And there is some value in that. That won't get necessarily the transformation you desire and it might but there is something about being in so much pain that you pretend that you're not it goes back to the the yin yang it goes back to the the balance are we you know one of the laws of the universe is balance we're always in balance we have to have balance and so the when someone is in a lot of pain and they're pretending they're not they're not obviously not ready to see it and what it's kind of like the first step might be the pretend before the house falls apart Mm. so there isn't a judgment around the pretend but it will not or may not get them to the unified state which is what's desired and um what's I have come to appreciate the law of polarity or the law of duality, that there's two sides to everything. 
And what I've come to appreciate in my mystical journey is that um, in the Bible, it talks a lot about the sacred marriage. And the sacred marriage is taking those two separate halves and marrying them together so they become one. So mystics have had the experience of knowing the presence of God ever so briefly. And in that knowing, have their perception changed to the realization that God really is all there is in all these other forms. And so it's it's when you're with somebody, you are looking at the presence of God. When you're eating food, you are eating the presence of God. And, um, and that state, even though it's so temporary of oneness, will change everything. And until that state is realized, the practice is to bring those halves together. Mm. That's so beautiful, Bonnie. Thank, Thank you. you for explaining that. And over here, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm joining you because it is, it's, it's magical. Like, yes. Yeah. It's when you, that's why I, these conversations and talking about this is, I think, so vital and so important, at least for me. I can speak in my own life. Um, because it really, it's the only thing I find that can bring you back to what is real. Yes. And what actually matters. Yes. And that it's, it's going to be okay that not put, to put the judgment on things, good or bad. It just is what it is at this point, moving through that, um, getting my, you know, power from source instead of self-will. And it's just the beauty of you explaining the divine is just so touching. (laughs) I mean, we can hear how powerful this presence is and it's in all of us, whether we're conscious of it or not. I don't think that I'm more spiritual, you're more spiritual. We're all spiritual beings. Yes. It's just that some maybe are more conscious of that connection than others. Yes. Um, so what do you think and why do you think, at least for you, um, the value is in cultivating this spiritual life and having the spiritual connection? Why is that, you know, vital for you? I mean, that is how I know you and I know that's how you live your life and everything comes back to spirit and comes back to these these spiritual principles, spiritual laws. Um why is that so important and vital for you? Some people say that we're called into this. Um, and I just, once I had that experience when I was five, I, I, there was no other option for me. That's, mm-hmm. that's where my curiosity lane existed. And, um, and that's just how I wanted to live and explore and, play in this world of form that was just so important to me I know people come to this desire um, through as Reverend Michael Beckwith would say they come through being pushed or being pulled being pushed by pain pain pushes them to a place where they show up Mm -hmm. or they're pulled by a vision that is so strong that they have to follow it And so I would say at age five, it was probably being pulled by a vision, but I certainly have experienced a fair share of pain in my life. Um, That's for whatever reason, part of the gig. (laughs) 
And so I have been both pushed and pulled. Um, and, and I haven't left it and I don't know that I could, Mm. you know, um, you spoke earlier something about, oh, it's all love and light. It's all love and light. And one of the things I want to share that I learned in ministerial school was that, um, we go to talking school before we go to walking school. And so what that means and, and, I'm sure that you and your listeners totally get this, is that we talk about stuff that's of interest to us, but we don't really know our own in our, in our being yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, here's the latest, here's the newest, here's a la, 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 la. Mm-hmm. And yet it hasn't been ingested and incorporated and in the cells of the body yet. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when we look at someone and if we're in the judgmental mood, might say like, oh, they're a fraud or um, they don't walk their talk or whatever. But that also is part of the journey is the, you know, the foreplay before the real deal is, (laughs) right? Right? Is that there's this like, oh, this is pulling my interest. Yes. And, you know, it's the biggest liar you'll ever meet talking about the value of truth. (laughs) Right? And then you're like, what? are they talking about and you understand at some point in your own development that all of us have done that until Mm -hmm. all of a sudden one day we go oh my god i have been talking about truth for years and maybe there's something to it Mm -hmm. and then there's a different relationship with it yes well i think that's well I, i resonate with that yeah um and you and I were talking recently as well about um, the importance that that you and I think of a spiritual practice um, being more vital than ever at this point. Especially, um, I'm at this recording of the podcast, 34, and... Um, and I'm not. <laughs> and, and that's the truth. <laughs> And um, why, especially for people in my generation and the people living now, um, why you think it ha- it's gone from something that maybe before could, you know, maybe be a mere luxury to being a necessity in, in the world we live in today? Um, can you speak about that? Why you think um, that sort of spiritual connection or spiritual practice is necessary for the times that we live in right now yeah well given that I'm not 34 you might be able to answer (laughs) that one better than me actually in talking about your generation and why Mm -hmm. that's important but what I will say that I have noticed over my lifetime is that we really have sped up Um, our technology has sped up our like it used to um, take like if I want like back in the day if I wanted to go take a vacation, I had to go to a travel agent. And he or she had books that they looked at. <laughs> and and there were file cabinets of brochures that they went to. And you would walk into the travel agency and say, you know what? I think I would like to take a trip to New Jersey. And they would say, okay, let me go get my brochures out. And then they'd give you some options. And then you would leave. And they would take a week or two 
to do all of their research on calling different hotels, finding out what packages existed, um, contacting airlines, finding flights, getting rental cars, and it was it was a profession. And it took a long time before a travel agent got back to you to say, okay, here are three options available. And then you continue to work at it until you got what you wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I both are active travelers, so you know that we can right now hear about someplace in the entire world, pull pull it up online, read about it in under 10 minutes, decide we're going to go, go to one of these travel sites, look at a bunch of hotels within 30 to 45 minutes, we can book ourselves for a a trip somewhere in the world and we do it ourselves. We don't have to involve someone else and it doesn't take three or four weeks. It takes a couple hours Mm -hmm. and we're done. And our whole world is that way. We have gone from being slow to having everything at our fingertips and having it really fast. Mm -hmm. What that means to me is that the invisible field that all of us share is more rapid than it was when I first started out. There's more um, um, information in our shared field than there's ever been before. And now there's um, there's wi- Wi-Fi in our field. And there's, like, our field is crowded. The invisible world that once was really open now has a lot of activity in it, far more than it did when I started decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I cannot imagine with everything bombarding somebody's body temple not to mention the workloads and the social media and the emails. And it just, like, I, re- I remember when, <laughs> I remember when email came out and we all had this thought that we were no longer going to need paper, that everything was going to be stored on this computer and there would be no paper. And when email came out, we thought, that there would no longer be physical mail and and all of the different ways that we now have to check to see if somebody's tried to notify us. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems like we sped up but also added on top of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I cannot imagine anybody going through this precious, beautiful experience we call life without being grounded Mm-hmm. in the truth mm-hmm. grounded in eternal life mm-hmm. in whatever form that means to them so that we're walking in the temporary from a place of the eternal and we have a completely different perception mm-hmm. and so the little stuff although it's a pain in the butt there's no doubt about it it doesn't beat us up like it does if you don't have a spiritual practice. Hmm. I mean, I cannot imagine. Well, that stuff, Bonnie, still can get to me. I'll be praying and meditating. By oh, the it afternoon. gets to me. <laughs> I can be spun out. <laughs> it, can, it, uh, it can get to me, but imagine if you didn't have the opportunity. I have lived that way, and it was way less pleasant. 
That's right. That's right. And so what do you do? You grab for something. Yes. You grab for yes. sex. You grab yeah. for food. You yes. grab for drinks. drinks. You grab yes. You grab for um, not being alone. Right. Yes. Having bad company over no company. Right. I mean, it. and the Buddhists do call it grasping. It's mm-hmm. this... this mm-hmm. Um, this desire to feel to fill up our sense of unworthiness mm-hmm. with any and everything we possibly can so we don't have to feel it. Right. And part of the spiritual journey is being willing to feel everything because God is everything. Mm-hmm. So being willing to feel everything without the judgment of making some feelings right and some feelings wrong. Right. And that for me, I mean, I am so, um, (laughs) compared to you, new in cultivating that journey. Um, And that's, like you stated earlier, that I think it just, that in itself is a lifetime practice. Being able to, because you think, I know I can speak for myself, you know, I think I'll have one situation mastered or maybe finally that one difficult person I really have finally mastered being in neutrality and kind of water off a duck's back but still now there's somebody new or something new and it's triggering me all over again and giving me the invitation of what (laughs) what other stuff is lurking in there I have to figure out yeah um and you know Byron Katie's work and Dr. John D. Martini's work are really good for that in that it has you look not only at them that's irritating you, but what's being irritated inside of you, right. and then how you do that yourself and to who you do it to. Oh, yes. And so you flip it around. And, and mm-hmm. that, again, is going back to the sacred marriage where there isn't a separation. So it really is going from irritant, irritation and irritant to looking at yourself in both of those positions and flipping them in different ways and doing the work that goes along with that in order that you can become that unified field where that can exist and not perturb you or it can exist and you have a different appreciation of it or it can exist and you see it in a different perspective and you don't personalize it. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to believe that those things wouldn't exist anymore. The (laughs) more work I did in consciousness, but they're still there. It's just that there's a deeper and different understanding that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Some compassion. That's the... That's the spiritual quality that develops with that is, is compassion for you as you're feeling those things and then compassion for the other person who's behaving in a certain way. So it's holistic compassion. Mm. Yes, that reminds me. I, I remember when I was listening to Carolyn Mace one time and she was talking about how we are always complaining about the people that hurt us. and But what about the people we hurt? Right. <laughs> and the things that we did. And I found that to be so true i'm still a work in progress i'm not perfect and i'm not also saying that as an excuse to do harm to others um but you always will be a work in process and the other thing from a mystical perspective is sometimes you will be used in ways mm -hmm. where you have the intention of only pure love and someone else interprets it in a different way yes and they do that because they're needing to be opened up right and so we never know the impact. I mean, we sometimes know, but we don't really know the impact we have on other people and why. And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's negative. And it has to do with our own intent, but also their perception. 
And so it's, um, it's a really curious dance on, on how that works. Mm -hmm. And I love when Caroline May says that. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And the, and the Buddha says we will be offended 10,000 times in our life and we will offend others 10,000 times in our life. Yes. I, yes, I resonate with that. Um, and the other interesting part, um, of this dialogue and reminds me of something you and I have talked about a lot is being, cultivating the spiritual practice to be strong in ourselves with, um, the help of our higher power that I believe is within us and throughout us and in everything, because, if I'm not strong in that knowing or in myself, then when I mean something with pure love or I'm getting guidance to do X, Y, and Z and somebody or something gets offended, they think I'm, you know, then too difficult or now, you know, whatever, they're really mad at me for some reason. Um, that doesn't mean that I did something wrong. Correct. Just because somebody's offended. Correct. And um, so I was wondering if you could just, you know, speak about that as, as also part of the spiritual path and that it's not because I used to have this thing that, oh, if I'm spiritual and I'm love and light and I'm a, you know, quote unquote, good person, which I don't even believe in that duality in that way anymore. Um, then everybody will love me and I will always be pure love and nobody will get offended and I'll never, you know, have to call somebody out or whatever if I'm, if I'm the spiritual person. And I just, that's not what my, um, personal life experiences anymore. Yeah. And I don't think that means also that I'm doing something wrong. I don't think that means I'm not following my, my spiritual, um, true north um the knowing inside of me so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and uh, kind of that journey um of being connected to to source and the truth that you know and um dealing with those difficult times you know that you're in the right direction but people are still getting offended or things are still falling apart but yeah can you speak to to us about that a little bit and how you yeah. get through those and your perspective on those that stuff um judgment exists in the realm of opinion and the realm of opinion is very shallow and we go there when we have cut ourselves off from our own soul when we have distanced ourselves from our soul we go there and there is no truth in the realm of judgment or in the realm of opinion it's the realm of judgment and the realm of opinion it's not truth so it's um it's shallow and what we learn from a swimming pool is that the shallow end of the pool is the most full and the deep end has the fewest people. Mm. And there's a reason for that. And so um, when you were talking, the example that came through my mind was this morning when you were in meditation, you text me with um, an insight you had on... um, a 
doctor's office, for lack of a better word, a wellness clinic is probably closer, a wellness clinic here in town that I could go to and get a vitamin um, infusion because I've been tired. And you did that from a really pure place. Now, I could have responded with like, I could have been real, there could have been a cruel response. There could have been a response from the realm of opinion or the realm of judgment. And it could have been nasty, you know, something along the lines of, you know, what are you doing being in my, uh, what are you doing trying to micromanage me and my health? What the hell, Dina, are you doing? <laughs> Trying to micromanage me and my health. I hate you and I, I won't be a friend anymore and whatever. <laughs> and and I did not receive it that way. And I went and I had a beautiful infusion and was grateful. So, so you can never control, ever control anything on the planet. But you certainly cannot control anyone else's response mm-hmm. to your good heartedness. Mm-hmm. So if I had responded nasty, you still get the soul points. And there is no such thing. I just made that up. But you still get the soul (laughs) points of having followed your soul, followed your direction, and given forth what was yours to give forth. And that can never be taken away. So you gave from yourself something that strengthened you and could never be taken away. And how I receive it is none of your business. Mm -hmm. Because that's all about my receptivity. Now, this sounds great. It's (laughs) true. No, yes, I believe it's true. I know that that's true. And sometimes with um, these these irritants or let's say you did because I actually did one of the things that I've worked on is my um uh, my over functioning um being really out of boundaries in the past with telling people what to do and their lives and everything so when I text something like that I try to be more cognizant of like not you have to do this or um but hey I got uh guidance this might be good for you check it out if you feel guided to instead of you have to do this or whatever so I did have that thought when um, I sent that to you and but sometimes still um if the you know reaction is quote-unquote negative i.e you would have said um I can handle my own health or which you would have been completely (laughs) entitled to do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that can still um, sometimes, especially when it's somebody I care about, when it's somebody I don't necessarily have an attachment to, how they respond doesn't collapse me. I've gotten a lot better at that. So when it's a stranger, more of acquaintance, it doesn't really collapse me. I can let that go, but I'm still working on... um, when it's somebody close to me or I really value their opinion, um, it not collapsing me. And um, I think that's just going to be a lifetime work in, work in progress, um, getting to that point of um, neutrality so I can have a better yeah. quality of life. Isn't that beautiful, though, that you know that? I mean, I mean, that's a huge discernment that you just said. What you just said is that with some people it doesn't bother me because um, I don't have a deep connection to them, and with others who I'm connected with, I can, I can fall apart and be and collapse. Right. 
And, but most people don't have that discernment. That's really spectacular. So the next time you fall apart and collapse, you can say to yourself, oh, my God, I must really care about this person. <laughs> yes. You know, so, the, so oh. yeah, that's, that's spectacular. Thank that's, you. That is spectacular. Yeah, and I think part of, um, part of our life journey is that we get, if we live long enough, we get the privilege to companion grief. Mm. and that when we are hurt um, and when we are sad and when um, people we love die, we have not the whole of low self-esteem or of feeling like we're not worthy or not enough. We don't have that experience, but we have... In the field that surrounds us, we can have a heaviness in that space because we are allowing the feeling tone of something heavy to be in our presence as we continue to walk through life. And that um, there can be an understanding of that and an appreciation of the ability and capacity to do that. But it is something that we do as sacred human beings on this planet. Mm. And the more that I have had the experience of doing that for myself, the more I find myself doing it on behalf of humanity as well. Mm. So um, it all depends on how the presence of God wants to use you on the planet, mm. Dina, um, and what you're being being led to and through to know what's yours to hold and to let go of. Mm-hmm. But what we can know is that this experience of the collapse is an experience that's necessary in your training ground. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think maybe I won't, maybe it'll lessen or it won't happen to me later in life. But I think that's the wrong question mm. or the, the wrong intent. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime I've wanted something lesser or I wanted it to be different, I've come, I've, I have drugged my soul through suffering. <laughs> To come to the realization that what is, is, and with me wanting it different than that, I am adding suffering to the equation. Mm. Surrendering. I'm hearing the, <laughs> the surrender. Um, so, Bonnie, that brings me to one of the tools that you mentioned earlier to get through some of these and i know um we've kind of been going around in different directions but hey that's how these talks go sometimes right right <laughs> uh, you can't control what's what's going to come out um but i know i wanted you to talk about um affirmative prayer on the podcast i think that's a, a tool and you talked about the five um concepts that all the religious teachings have um in common prayer meditation giving service and community and i know you're really versed in prayer you say the most beautiful prayers (laughs) they're so powerful um so can you 
talk to our listeners about that spiritual tool of prayer and specifically affirmative prayer. What is that? And um, maybe give a little demonstration today. Yeah. And then are we ending with that? Um, yes. Okay. And I just I just say that because it would be beautiful to end in prayer, wouldn't it? Yes. Like after you explain it. Yeah. Like, can you do a prayer to lead us out? And then, yeah, yeah. That's marvelous. I yeah. would be happy to. That's fantastic. So I mentioned earlier New Thought and being an American religion and being a study that I went through. And... Um, what their contribution is to um, humanity, and all religions have made beautiful contributions to humanity. The contribution that is unique to new thought is this process called affirmative prayer. And the idea being that the presence of God is all there is, and it lives within us and around us, And so we don't pray to a thing outside of us asking it to do something for us, but instead we get quiet and enter into a meditative state where we're in resonance with the divine presence. And then when we're in resonance with the divine presence, we allow ourselves to speak out of that space into a new reality. And so it's called affirmative prayer. There's five steps to it. The first step is just the recognizing that God is all there is. And so even if you haven't had that realization and don't know it, it's so powerful to start a prayer off by the recognition that God is all that there is. And then, and sometimes when I talk about that and I will sit in meditation and I will speak to the allness of God or the oneness of God. And sometimes I'll say like, and, you know, in, in God, there isn't two, there isn't um, a for and against, there isn't, you know, and I will describe it so that I become welcome into that field of the oneness. So mm-hmm. I'm preparing my own consciousness. So the first step is the recognition of God being all that there is. Then the stack, second step is depending upon what you're praying for or about you're going to want to recognize the quality of God that exists within your request, within your prayer. So let's say um, I have a stomach ache and I am wanting to shift my energy field so that it goes away, so that I'm no longer experiencing the pain in my stomach and that healing takes place. Let's just use that as an example. So I sit and ask myself, what is the quality of God that if I knew it intimately, my stomach would be whole? And all major world religions speak to the different qualities of God that exist. I wrote a book on prayer and I wrote a book on the qualities of God. So if anyone's interested, those do exist. And the qualities of God are what we would call qualities of good that don't have an opposite. So like love, peace, joy, health, wholeness, um, and faith, eternality, newness. So I would say to myself, what is the quality of God that would heal my stomach today? And maybe for me, it's wholeness. 
And so the first step is recognizing God is all there is. The second then is recognizing that God is the wholeness that I seek. And then the third step is recognizing that since God is all there is, that I am part and parcel of God. So therefore wholeness exists within me. So I recognize the wholeness of God as the wholeness of me. And then the fun part is that we riff on if this is true, then. Mm. So And that's step four. That's step four. I call it the therefore step. So it's like God is all there is. God is wholeness. I am whole. Therefore. Therefore, my body sings to the goodness and glory of God. Therefore... I take deep breaths that invigorate my body temple. Therefore, my food digests easily and effortlessly. Therefore, my blood pressure is at the perfect pressure to help the digestion of my food. And um, there's the perfect mix of enzymes and blah, blah, blah. And you just riff on if God is whole and I am whole, and my body is whole, and this is my experience, and just sit in that energy and in that truth of wholeness. And then when the last step, the fifth step, is thanksgiving. Giving thanks before you see it in physical form that this is already in process. And so, um, so I would end saying, I give thanks that my body is whole, perfect, and complete right here, right now, at this very moment. Hmm. it obviously can be used for anything and what it does is it transforms us so that we become more aware of our and more godlike than being a victim asking for help outside of ourselves hmm. so this is a very empowering form of prayer very empowering form of prayer and um it it just does not let you off the hook it is potent as all potent can be Mm. um so i am happy to close in prayer for you if you want to give me a topic yes i'm trying to think um i think i would like the topic to be that can i say for other people or only is it about me well tell me what it is okay the topic i want um to be is that that we're all um, guided or that I'm guided, that we're all guided to um, the highest and best good for ourselves and each other. Um, okay, to... so your prayer is that you know that because we already are. Okay. Right? So your prayer is that you know that humanity is guided by divine presence. Is that right? Yes. Yes, and that would be that we... Be, yes, and that we know that and become aware of that. I I think that's um, that's my prayer and my hope for myself because I know when I'm aware of that and I'm in conscious awareness of that, not unconscious, because it's you're right, it's there no yes. matter what. But when I'm in conscious awareness of it, that's when the suffering lessens. That's when I can give people more compassion. That's when I'm a better human being for myself and for others in every way of my life. So, um, getting to that space closer and closer, a little more every day, a little more with every prayer or thought or action and for, um, our planet and for our listeners, um, to get to that spot because this is what, 
it's really about. Yeah. So, um, um, what was beautiful about my ministerial training was that um, the quantum field and quantum physics was really huge in the mainstream when I went through ministerial school. And so it really was the scientific side of describing the oneness of God, that where one thing is, everything is, you know, like that... that um, all the different theories that they had that was so fabulous. And they spoke of the field, which I love because anytime you see a holy or spiritual statue or painting, you know, you see the field that's around the person. And then if you go get those fancy photos taken, you can see your own auric field. And so Mm. all of us live in fields of information and fields of all of the qualities of God. They're, they're all in our field and accessible to us um, all of the time. And so what I hear, so when we pray for ourselves and our field changes, our, the part of our field that's connected to all fields also changes because you've made that change so the whole is changing. Mm. So when someone asks for prayers for others they're really asking for that knowing for themselves and then um because i didn't mention this god quality i will share it instead of ask you what you think the god quality is but i think the god quality that you're asking for is to know the intelligence of god mm-hmm. yes so in that prayer when we get to god is you know god is all intelligence god is intelligence therefore Dina is Dina owns and has access to and is the intelligence of God herself. So should we should we go for it? Let's go for it. Okay. All right. Let's get our prayer on. Let's get our prayer on. Woo. Okay. I love it. <laughs> ah. And so I just give thanks that God is all there is, that there is not God and anything else. There's just God. God is, God is, God is. And as God is all that there is, then I know that God is intelligence. All world religions say this. All mystics say this. The scripture says this. I know that God is intelligence. And so as this is true of God, this too has to be true of Dina. For she lives, moves, and has her being in the only thing that is in God. Therefore, as God's intelligence is in operation through Dina, it is a natural outpouring and outpicturing to rest in the intelligence of God, knowing that its divine life is unfolding as the life of all of humanity, knowing that each and every person is waking up in the perfect divine right time that it is theirs to wake up in, And knowing that no one is left out. There's not anyone who is excluded from the goodness and glory of God. This is a promise. There's no one who has done anything that is so abhorrent that God stops loving them. For God is love and only love. God is intelligence. God is the truth. And as God is this, it is in operation at every single moment of every day. 
working in, through, and as all creation, people and plants and animals and the beautiful environment in which we live. And so I give thanks that this intelligence is informative and it informs Dina in what she needs to know and when she needs to know it and that it brings forth the perfect right people, places, literature and classes, books, insight so that she hears what she needs to hear from that divine intelligence. And I just give thanks for the plenty of God that is always showing itself to us and through us. And for this I give thanks, and so it is. Amen. Mm. And so it is. Doesn't prayer feel good? <laughs> Woo! Okay, Bonnie. Um, thank you so much for that beautiful prayer. Um, oh, it just feels so good to do a good soul prayer. Who doesn't feel right? good after that? Right. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. And if people um want to know more about you, hear about you, um, reach out to you, get spiritual guidance, um, how do they find you? Oh, thank you for asking. My website is Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E, Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D, so BonnieBarnard.com. And um, there's a link on there that you can contact me, and um, I would love to do private sessions with you. Um, I am revitalizing my website, as we all do, and so I'm sure that there will be some complimentary and and free options that will exist there but right now I'm doing the private sessions with clients as I've done for almost 30 years now holy cow (laughs) wow wow is right and then um the retreats so I look forward to meeting whoever um this message resonates with yes thank you so much for being here um I sure people will be touched by your messages i hope you've touched my life so thank you so much for coming oh thank you for having me you are fantastic i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you liked it remember to subscribe rate and review to find out more you can visit my instagram at finding galileo or my website dinatavinarime.com where you can ask me questions or send me topic suggestions thank you for listening